Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Local Government. Today we're having a really in-depth conversation around the really important topic of the climate crisis. A lot of councils are really trying to get to grips with this and I'm delighted to have two exceptional guests on to discuss this important topic. Now without further ado, I will bring them to you now. Now, firstly, we have Councillor Wesley Harcourt, who is Cabinet Member for Climate Change and Ecology at Hammersmith and Fulham Council and was first elected in 1994. And alongside him, I have Hinesh Mehta, Assistant Director of Climate Change, again, at Hammersmith and Fulham Council, where he's been for the last six years. Wesley, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you very much for inviting me along this afternoon. Thank you. And Hinesh as well. Thank you very much for coming on as well. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. So, right, guys, this is going to be the the agenda for today. We're going to be looking at, firstly, how do you embed climate change into everything you do? So if we start with Hinesh, how do you go about doing that? So about four years ago, the council unanimously declared a climate and ecological emergency. One of the first, um, I guess you could say, actions that they um, agreed on was to um, embed climate change and the ecological emergency into everything we do by changing the culture of the organisation and trying to try to um, engage people and inspire them to consider the impact on um, on the environment in everything we do. So in the organisation we set about uh, trying to change the way we make decisions so that carbon emissions, climate change, air quality, ecology is all considered in all of our key decisions that we make. So it's now a requirement um, that any decision has to consider the implications on the environment, but it's also embedded in people's mindsets. And we've been trying to do that um, for the last few years by engaging with staff across the organisation and by engaging with people in the borough. How difficult was that mindset change to go from a process whereby, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't want to be uh, making any subject here, but with some organisations, you feel like climate change is sometimes an afterthought to having it very much at the, the front end. How, how difficult was that? It's a really big, challenging topic. Um, it's quite new for a lot of people. It certainly was a few years ago. Um, so there has been a process of uh, trying to engage and educate people. Um, we also set about writing a climate and ecology strategy in-house and one of the things we did was to give services across the council the ownership and the responsibility of writing their own um, sections of the strategy and their own setting their own targets and coming together with us to 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 write what is now rated as very um, a, a, as one of the leading climate and ecology strategies in the country. So by giving people the ownership and the responsibility, we start to embed um, we we start to embed climate change in decision making, budget setting, and um, projects and initiatives that are undertaken across the council. 
Wesley, I mean, I imagine this was hugely popular with the with the public. Was that kind of the driving force behind the political decision makers wanting to kind of embrace climate, well, to embrace uh, kind of having quite a, a proactive approach to climate change and the effect, kind of affecting the climate crisis? I think it was a little bit more than that, but both myself and uh, the leader of the council uh, find that cl the climate change crisis is something that's very, very important to both of us. And so, you know, when this uh, topic first started coming up a, a little while ago, we felt it very, very important. That we made a statement as early as possible and set up what we were at trying to do. And as Hinesh has just said, the first thing after we declared a climate emergency in uh, 2019 uh, was to set up a, a climate change unit prepare a strategy and such like. Since then, um, you know, we've engaged with, because uh, it's not just about public, it's about businesses, it's about internally staff and also uh, other members of the, of the administration. We need to bring everybody on board. So as part of the induction for the new councillors, there were sessions on the climate, uh, climate emergency and ecology. There's another session that's being held, a couple, was held a couple of weeks ago. There's another session coming up again. So we're trying Trying to embed it in everybody and not only that um, we did uh, engage with uh, the public we set up a climate change commission uh, using expertise from local people and the chair of that particular commission still is working with us very very closely and uh, you know Hinesh and his team have uh, drawn up this fantastic uh, climate strategy which is great you know what's, but what good is a strategy unless you actually do something with it so we set up a group which what goes under the wonderful name of CSIG, Climate Strategy Implementation Group. Don't we love these acronyms? So, and but the purpose of that is that we there'll be a group of us, Hinesh, myself, and senior officers, uh, plus the uh, chair of uh, the Climate uh, Change Commission, uh, and we have a meeting every two months, I think it is, uh, where we look at each section of the council, be it housing, be it uh, highways, be it uh, building control and all the rest of it. Uh, we look at how are they going about implementing things. So we're keeping quite a close control on all of that. That's the all the internal side of it. It's what's equally as important, if not more important, is getting members of the public on board. And obviously at the moment we, there, there's problems because some of the things that we'd love to do, like insulating properties, changing people uh, from uh, gas boilers possibly to electric boilers in the cost of living crisis it's a major major issue for people because uh, of the costs involved uh, and that's the personal cost to the residents never mind the cost that there would be to the council the work that we have to do to make those changes um, uh, to our own properties that's really interesting Hinesh how do you prioritize in terms of the actions that take place do you look at the uh, the actions that have the biggest effect on CO2, or do you target the things that are most likely to get um, the public engaged and inspired with climate change that are visible? How do you prioritise? Yeah, so originally we looked at the data to see where are our carbon emissions coming from in the borough um, and also as an organisation. So that has helped us to prioritise um, where we need to focus more attention so generally in an urban borough like Hampton and Fulham, you'd expect uh, most of our emissions to come from our buildings. So that's count, that's homes, uh, offices uh, and other types of buildings in the borough. That makes up about 80% of the borough's emissions. So um, that is also where we have our biggest challenges. Decarbonising homes and buildings nationally 
is probably our greatest challenge. How do we move away from gas boilers? How do we make our buildings and homes more energy efficient? Um, beyond that, um, we have uh, transport. It's probably our next uh, most important area. So um, a lot of our emissions and um, a lot of the impacts that we have on, on local air quality come from the vehicles on our roads. So our strategy looks at how we would decarbonize the road network and the vehicles that drive on them. So we've prioritized those areas, but we are also looking beyond that into our scope three emissions as well. So we have a section in our strategy called things we use, and that looks at everything that we consume from the food that is consumed in the borough to electricals, to clothing, uh, to building materials, because that all contributes to our carbon footprint. Um, we have um, government funding that helps us to provide to, to kind of prioritise where we focus our attention. So government funding tends to be around decarbonisation of buildings and, and transport, so that helps us as well. But really, it's a massive challenge, very difficult to prioritise. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure we've quite got it right yet. You're doing so well. I mean, it's it's absolutely fantastic work, and and I I, I just personally I'm really grateful that there are leaders like yourselves taking this so seriously because it has to be led by local government, even though the emissions the council produces are a minor aspect of overall carbon carbon emissions within that area. Wesley, one thing that was really struck me about the way you personally have uh, approached this is it's very much a long term plan, and sometimes from the outside and from the public. It can feel that plans are short term. They're there to can be used a bit as a political football. How have you avoided that with this? Um, obviously, you've been there since 1994. So obviously you are basically you are the council. But how have you um, how have you kind of ensured that this is future proof and it's it's protected for, you know, not just for four years during a cycle, but for the next 10, 20 years? Well, our, our target for um, net carbon zero is 2030. So that policy is there and that's that that is currently driving everything. Um mm -hmm. It is a, it is a difficult issue. Uh, hopefully, would you know there won't be any change of uh, administration or anything like that in the in the next few years. So that will enable us to keep this uh, going. But it's it is a long term uh, issue. I think everybody is aware. Members of the public are aware that you're not going to be able to change uh, the climate o overnight. We've done all sorts of things like uh, we've I think it's two and a half thousand now um, electric vehicle charging points in the borough because rather than uh, go down one particular route we've tried to increase the number of electric vehicles on our roads uh, and so on but you know we have problems in that we've got the the main a4 comes into hammersmith the a40 and m40 come into hammersmith the a23 m23 come up via into hammersmith as well so you know it's a major traffic hub some of the areas that we don't have control over so we're trying to look at how do we clean the air and at what we're trying to do is trying to keep residents and residential areas with as clean an air as possible. But the, the focus on carbon sometimes, I think, perhaps is um, something that people don't necessarily fully understand. We start talking about tons of carbon and, and this sort of thing. Whereas, you know, the, th the pictures that we've seen on television recently of wildfires on the outskirts of London last summer, for instance, uh, flooding in various uh, areas, 
It's only a couple of years ago we had a storm that stuck over Hammersmith and Kensington for a, a couple of hours and everywhere was flooded. So, you know, uh, Hinesh has talked about the government uh, looking at decarbonisation of buildings and such like. Perhaps we also ought to be looking at adaptations in the, in the short term. And it's that sort of thing that really gets to people when they see, you know, their house has been or their basement or whatever it is has been flooded and it's quite clearly related to climate change, then people start realising how serious uh, this is. And, and, you know, I don't want to use that uh, as an example, but it, it is necessary, you know, because somebody's um, a disaster with somebody is not really the, the, the best way of looking at it. But it is a, something that's important that people actually see this is real. And it's not just some theoretical thing that you see on television and happens in, um, you know, in, in China or happens in Pakistan or happens in France or heat in Madrid or whatever it is. It, it's happening it's here, it happening local. Yeah. And that's, I mean, how, I mean, you see this kind of these quotes kind of thrown around, but sometimes to tackle the climate crisis, you have to be a good ancestor before you can really point I'm trying to make that very strange metaphor is sometimes you have to not think about your immediate needs, but, you know, the, the future generations. We're obviously in a cost of living crisis at the moment whereby, you know, families are, are struggling just to kind of, you know, have that just to get by at the moment. Um, so I guess really, how have you found tackling that where people are thinking about the short term and you have to think about the long term? Have you had a lot of pushback from the public? Um, not generally. I mean, obviously, members of the public are not going to want to uh, start changing uh, gas boilers for electric if it's going to add another god knows how many th uh, hundred pounds to their heating bill uh, or whatever or if they haven't got the uh, the money to install insulation so we're looking at where we can get grants and such like to help people with that and we're also looking at you know uh, we've got a new energy uh, policy in place looking at how we can help people with that sort of thing so there's the issue about the immediacy but at the same time uh, the longer term thing has got to be looking at the policy of changing, you know, no no new gas boilers, uh, move over to electric uh, uh, heat pumps, ground source heat pumps, the new council building, um, which Hinesh has got the better photograph in the background than I have. Mine's the current one. His is the development that is un being undertaken at the moment. That has got a heat uh, ground source heat pump attached to it. And it's not just the the town hall that's going to receive the heat from that. There's all the uh, housing and such like that's accompanying this redevelopment, which is part of it. So we're looking at the longer term. Um, we've got new housing development that's being built in a couple of places. Um, I think it's about the two, three, four different places which meet passive house standards. Passive house is the accepted standard for, uh, you know, acceptability of climate change energy conservation carbon reduction and so on so where it's 80 80 85 percent reduction in carbon so we've got properties that are doing that so we're looking at the future but at the same time thinking very hard about how do we look at changing things like you know the gas boilers at what point do you do at what point do you make that it decision it is difficult got, it's very very difficult funding. yeah and, and we haven't got 17 of... billion which is what it's likely to cost <laughs> Well, don't you worry. I'll look down the back of my sofa and see what I can find. But in terms of actually engaging and inspiring climate action in Hammersmith and Fulham with the people, what have you found to be the most successful way of doing so? If we go to yourself, Finesh. Um, we have taken a number of number of approaches to engage and inspire uh, people. Um, so we want climate action to be uh, a normal part of everyone's everyday life, whether it's uh, walking to school, 
or cycling to the shops or uh, reducing the uh, amount of energy that you might use in, in, in your home. Um, we've we, we, we've, we've launched things like uh, climate action micro grants, which have been very well received by the public. So this gives uh, community groups a, uh, a small grant to get things off the ground, where it, whether it's a community garden, community garden or a circular economy uh, project. Um, those small grants help to get things off the ground. We also have a climate literacy program, so we um, engage staff and residents uh, and um, help to educate people on the climate crisis. We work with community groups um, and residents who want to uh, inspire their neighbours and, and, and undertake projects in the community. So we're there really to support residents who want to take climate action, um, who have ideas, who have projects that they want to undertake. Um, and that's been really well received. Where our biggest challenge is, is how do we change um, people's behaviours and mindsets and how do we move away from um, what we've always been doing, whether it's, uh, you know, living in a linear economy and throwing things away or using gas boilers or driving everywhere. How do we change those mindsets um, and embed uh, more climate positive behaviours? That's the, one of the challenges that we are trying to tackle at the moment i saw the uh, the episode on uh, netflix around the blue zones and they talk about in singapore where you know they they prioritized people over cars and and that was a really big behavior change and it is so difficult and i was talking i had the um the director of public health on for enfield because i appreciate obviously there are nuances and there are differences between what yourselves do and public health do but there is also that underarching um reality that actually what's good for the environment is also good for people you know cycling to the shops is good for the environment but it's also good for your health and that then off takes pressure off the nhs and that's the wonderful thing about local government is that all of these different aspects affect everyone's lives um wesley in terms of actually the challenges of implementate of implementing your action plan um how hard has it been well there's some things that are relatively easier than others um you know uh, <laughs> I think uh, the behaviour change is much more difficult. And I think, you know, when Hinesh talks about linear and circular economies, I think if we go out to members of the public and talk to them about in those terms, they'll think, what on earth are you talking about? So it's a question of not the engagement side of it has to be in the sort of language that people uh, understand. And, and that's not to put people down uh, in the least, but, uh, it, you know, the, the terminology that we use in the council doesn't really help. Um, I think there are challenges. There's challenges to behaviour. People are absolutely um, stuck with their cars. They will not get away from the idea that, you know, using more public transport, using more active methods of transport is not only good for the environment, good for their health and so on, as you've been saying, but people are locked in, in into car use. And, uh, you know, you, you've seen not it's not we haven't had too much of that uh, in Hammersmith and Fulham, but uh, in other boroughs, you've seen people have put in low traffic neighbourhoods uh, and such like, and they've had to take them out because of public reaction. And, uh, you know, so it's changing that sort of uh, attitude. But, you know, there's other things that we've done, uh, uh, which I think have 
a much more immediate sort of effect. We've been planting tiny forests. There's four have gone in, which is really good. And the good thing about those is it's not just uh, uh, the council of workmen who turn up with a spade. It's actually engaging the local schools and the children and getting them in re really involved is really key to all of this because they're the future, not not me. I, you know, I might have another 20 years before I'm gone, dead and gone, but uh, the kids are going to be here and it's their future, their climate. And so we need to get them involved as much as possible. So we're looking at uh, schools, programmes with schools. Um, I spoke to one of the uh, schools not so very long ago, but we're very, very interested in uh, cl local climate change. Um, there's other things that we're doing. Um, Another wonderful acronym, SUDS schemes, sustainable urban drainage. The idea that, you know, by taking out uh, concrete, by people concreted over front gardens and such like, greening the grey, i.e. giving grants if you, you know, take out some of the concrete so that water can uh, penetrate the, the ground. It's also involved planting in the streets so streets are greener uh, and so on. So all these sort of things do help engage with people and then when it comes to things like food and um, food waste uh, and such like as well you know we're about to roll out um, a food uh, food waste recycling program and that's something that's gone down incredibly well with people it's one of the things that everybody's come up to me saying when are you going to start doing that and it's part of this whole process of changing behaviors but it, it, it is a, it is a slow process because people are so embedded in the way they they've lived and change change is the is the most difficult thing to get people uh, um, to agree to unless they can see a direct benefit for themselves it's very can, becomes very difficult indeed i mean hanesh obviously within what we just discussed there with with wesley you know you obviously you start to feel the impact and the role of local authority um in your opinion, what is the role of local authority in addressing the climate crisis? Yeah, there's probably two ways of answering that. One is that we have direct responsibility for a lot of areas where um, we can make a real difference. So we are a social landlord, for example. So we um, own, maintain, manage um, about a third of the borough's homes. Um, we also have a number of uh, other buildings and we also have responsibility for, to some extent, for our road network, our green spaces. Um, and uh, so we have direct responsibility for those areas. So that's probably where our most immediate um, priorities and uh, responsibility lies. Beyond that, we are an enabler. We are, um, we can create the conditions whether it's the policies and strategies or develop the projects and initiatives that help people to take um, to take climate action. So, for example, we talked about uh, electric vehicle charging points. We have one of the most we, we have one of the densest networks of electric vehicle charging points in the country. So we don't have responsibility, of course, for what uh, vehicles people might own and drive, but we can, of course, enable them to make a choice when they next switch their vehicle to take an electric vehicle by providing the infrastructure. So we have um, an, an, an enabling role as well as a direct responsibility for a lot of areas. 
I think it's just absolutely brilliant as well. For those at home, you know, I speak to a lot of politicians and a lot of officers, and I think the collaboration that you've that you guys are showing at Hammersmith and Fulham to tackle a really important, um, a really important topic is is absolutely exceptional. Um, for for those councils, Wesley, out there that maybe haven't got themselves where they want to with their climate change program, um, obviously you've talked about the fact that you've got a clear strategy in place. What would be advice that you'd give to those organisations who want to be better but maybe are not as far ahead as you? I think it's about having people with vision and commitment. Um, you know, as I said at the uh, opening statements here, uh, we have a, the leader of the council, myself and one or two others of us, were absolutely committed to this uh, from the very outset. It's such a key issue, uh, both in terms of uh, affecting, as we've talked about this afternoon, um, people's livelihoods on the one hand, their health uh, and all, all those issues and the quality of life, the environment that, that they live in. So it's getting people to understand that sort of vision that things can change and things will change for the better. You know, uh, people often say change isn't always for the good. But I think when you start looking at climate change, the the alternatives, uh, you know, heat, uh, hotter summers and such like, uh, then we need to start looking at that. People need to start looking at horrible things, really nasty things like the number of uh, premature deaths related to the heat waves uh, or related to cold and such like in, in the winter uh, and uh, so on. So there's all these aspects of the way we live, which somebody needs to get together. And of course, uh, you know, if we're one of the leading councils, it's not just about us sitting here saying smugly, we're doing really well. We're quite happy for people from other boroughs or other councils, wherever it may be in the country, to come and talk to us. I'm sure uh, Hinesh and his team won't object to me landing him with even more work, but talking to other people and letting them come and see what we're doing uh, is excellent. We had a, a team from uh, Poznam in Poland over two months ago, three months ago, and we were sharing the work that we were doing with them uh, and also with the work that they're doing back in, in, in Poland on the issue. And it's things like that that really do help uh, you know, make uh, things move forward. So, yeah, that, that's the sort of thing I, I can suggest that people do. Absolutely. And local government look is a safety net to protect the most vulnerable. And in a way, we are all vulnerable to climate change. And that's why it's so important that we work to, like, together to, to tackle it. But Wesley, Hinesh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It genuinely has been a privilege to talk to you about the positive work that you're doing in, in obviously in Hammersmith and Fulham, but also how uh, any local government organisation uh, can can utilize yourselves as that kind of you know that uh, that benchmark and to support the kind of promotion of that so thank you so very much for your time thank you thank very you much you. you've been listening to the truth about local government we've been lucky enough to today to have the assistant director of climate change and the council lead for climate uh, to tackle the climate crisis and ecology on to discuss this key topic if you've enjoyed it give it a like give it a share but thank you for your time and look forward to bringing new episodes to you later in the week You have been listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Remember, your local council does some amazing work, but you can help. So remember to vote and be engaged with the work they're doing. If you like this podcast, please like, share and give a five-star review. If you would like to feature on the podcast, have any shout-out of excellent work being done by a local authority, or have any topics you would like covered, please email me at truth about local government at gmail.com truth about local government local government 
is at the heart of what we do.